Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Rum Buncher Radio. This is episode number 52. Trey Yanity and Marty Leap back with you as always. Tonight we welcome in another staff writer, a regular, a guy we've gotten to know very well over these last few months, Noah Wright. Noah, thanks so much for coming on with us again here today. How have you been since the last time we saw you? I know you got finals going on, everything else. Pirates baseball is in session. How you doing? Doing good. Finishing up finals for uh, California University, so it's been busy the last few weeks. I can imagine, yeah. Cal's, uh, Cal seems like it would be pretty challenging academically, a little bit easier than, uh, than my education down here at Bama. But uh, <laughs> good luck to you, man, as you finish that out. Um, the Pirates have hit a little bit of a skid since the last time we met. We were riding a high. They were above 500 uh, on our last episode. Since then, they have lost uh, five in a row here. Now they're four games under 500. Getting into this series in San Diego, late night Buckos baseball, always fun. Before we get into that series, we're going to break down the St. Louis series as well. Talk about Will Crow, Tyler Anderson, the bullpen. Minor League Baseball is back. we got a lot to talk about today. But before we do that, got to tell you about our friends at EcoFresh. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something good for your body. We start with 100% organic cocoa beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend in turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? You fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, gluten-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that... But it's friendly to paleo diets, gluten-free diets, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. Guys, for the last eight years, we have been a leader in the superfoods market, and we are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. And guys, we're ready to give you a discount. We're offering 15% off when you use the code MINUTE. That's right, MINUTE. Just go to ecofoods.com slash MINUTEMEDIA. Punch in the code there, M-I-N-U-T-E, to get 15% off EcoFresh Foods. Gentlemen, the Pirates, like I said, have hit a little bit of a skid here, but there's still hope. The bats have, have cooled down a little bit, but the pitching has still looked really good. We talk about this series against the Cardinals. They came back to PNC Park, played the Royals for two. They split that. Uh, you know, you feel confident after game one there. They suffer the loss uh, before they welcome in St. Louis. Marty, you, you were at the game there on Saturday. Some struggles this weekend, certainly. We got to see Kai Tom come in and, and get some action. Had a rough start. We'll talk about that in a second. But what are your overall thoughts on this series against St. Louis as the Pirates get swept for the second time this season? I wrote about this a little bit on the site. It was up on Monday. Um, you know, this was kind of one of those series where just a little bit of everything went wrong. Um, coming home from the game Saturday night, we were listening to the postgame show on 93.7 The Fan. And Craig Riley, who does a lot of the pre- and post-game show stuff on there, 
he said the Cardinals tend to bring out the worst in the Pirates because the Pirates just seem to really just not play well against St. Louis. And that's what happened. I mean, Friday night you had JT Brubaker get burnt by some rough defense. Um, and in all honesty, JT Brubaker probably could have got out of a start Friday with only allowing that solo home run and going another inning or two with some better defense behind him. I mean, Saturday, Trevor Cahill got just shelled in the first inning and put the Pirates behind the eight ball that they just they couldn't dig out of that hole. And every time they would get close, the bullpen, which has been awesome this year, would give up a run or two and let St. Louis extend the lead again. And then Sunday, Will Crow pitched really well um, outside of that Harrison Bader home run, really was fine. It's only three runs he gave up, but they were the only three runs of the game, and the offense didn't score at all. So it was just one of those series. If Friday night there was bad defense, and the bullpen struggled. Saturday night the starting pitching struggled, and the bullpen struggled again. Sunday the starting pitching was great, but the offense couldn't score. So it was just one of those series where just every game something went wrong, and it led to them being swept. Yeah, I was watching Brew Baker start, and there was one blooper that fell in between the shortstop and left and center field. It was just kind of that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game, if you ask me. Like, you know, later then under, they put in Underwood, who's been great all year, and he gives up a home run and a few other runs. So it kind of just felt like a mixture of every everything that was going great before that series just collapsed because it seemed like seemed like you know defense was doing okay. Pitching was doing okay, and the bullpen's been outstanding, like you said, and it just all seemed not to be able to click during that series. Yeah, and even Friday night, that home run Underwood gave up. I mean, Dwayne Underwood has been awesome this year, had not allowed a home run. He's facing Matt Carpenter, who, I mean, I understand his pedigree of Matt Carpenter has been awful this year. And, of course, he hits a three-run home run because Matt Carpenter against the Pirates. So, of course, (laughs) he's going to hit one to the moon because that's just what Matt Carpenter does against the Pirates. Yeah. No, I think this is the yeah. That's a very team. pirate. That's a very uh, pirate person to give up, though. It is. It's, it's, it's the Pirates and the Cardinals. Not a Colton Wong's not here anymore. It's going to be you know Tyler O'Neill has twenty eight home runs in his career. Eight of them are against the Pirates. So it's just yeah, so, somebody's got to somebody on yeah. the Cardinals always has to burn us. Yep. Always, always. I mean, it's you know it's the of course team. Like of course this happened against the Cardinals. Of course this is uh, you know going wrong. It's typically how it's gone against St. Louis, and you put it well there. No, I mean. Everything that had been going right, everything that had been fueling this run for the Pirates to get them back over 500, it didn't go right against St. Louis. Uh, you know, you talked about JT's start there. I want to focus a little bit more on Will Crow uh, in his Sunday start. Really looked good. He got a base hit as well. Um, but it, but in general, no, we had this discussion last week a little bit. And, you know, I think this conversation continues to, to change and shift as we see Will Crow more and more. What are your thoughts on, on his long-term role? Can he be a starter on this team? Where do you think he's best in the bullpen? I think it's. I think we should at least give him a shot to see what he can do in the rotation. Because I mean, right now, I think this year is really just a see what happens here, see what works, see what doesn't work. Especially with guys like Will Crow, because you know, you look at the Pirates, you look at the Pirates prospect list and throughout their minor league, they have so much pitching depth, and we'll probably get into that later. But it's just so much young and talented pitching that. You at least have to give someone like Will Crow a shot as a starter before you just throw him in the bullpen. I think he could be really good as a bullpen guy, even better than a rotation arm. But, I mean, I think it's still something that you just have to try out before you make the final decision on where he ends up. Yeah, no doubt. Heard Marty's opinion on it last week. I don't know if it's changed at all. We'll give you a few weeks here to, uh, you know, to see a little bit more Will Crow. Uh, but I, I think that's the method. Just see what you got. Play it by ear here and let him continue to start and, you know, just evolve a little bit. Um, we'll hit on this real quick, guys. Don't want to focus on it too much. The Pirates have had trouble finding 
your fourth outfielder, or even, you know, your third outfielder at times. Kai Tom joined the team. He's now played four games with the Pirates, and it really hasn't gone well so far. Defensively, you know, he was challenged this weekend. That's the thing. They, they talked about it a lot on the broadcasts. It's not like he was having to make routine plays. I mean, there were some really challenging plays, but a lot of the times they weren't made this past weekend for Kai Tom. We saw, you know, Anthony Alford get sent to waivers, Dustin Fowler. How patient are they going to be with Tom, you know, as he continues to kind of struggle, figure things out here in Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, now that Gregory Polanco is back on the injured list again, um, you're going to probably have to, you're going to be patient with Tom because you need to have three outfielders on the field. Um, yeah, I think we're probably going to see a decent amount of him moving forward, at least till Polanco's back. Um, the Pirates did not say why Polanco's on the injured list. Um, and Hunter Owen was added to the roster without being added to the 40 man. So I can almost guarantee you that it is COVID related. That has landed him on the on the injured list. So who knows how long Polanco will be out. But I do think we're going to see Tom get an extended look. And you know what? Why not? Like we've said, this year's about the future. I mean, is Ty Tom a big part of your future? Probably not. But, hey, give him a shot. Let's find out. You know, he's hasn't looked half bad at the plate. Uh, he's drawn three or four walks already. He hit a sacrifice fly on Saturday night. That off the bat sounded like it was going to be gone. He just missed hitting it out. Um, had his first hit with the Pirates on Saturday. So he's he's looked good at the plate. It's just, you know, it, and with left field, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass because left field at Pansy Park is a little bit of a monster, and it was his first time there. But, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Kai Tom until Polanco's back, especially with Brian Goodwin also being released. You know, they just don't really have a lot of other options unless they'd like to give Troy Stokes Jr. a look. But I feel like if they were going to give Stokes Jr. a look, which is probably something I would consider, they would have brought him up today instead of Hunter Owen. There's a lot. You look at the Pirates. You see, they have some outfielders that they could bring up eventually if they feel that Tom isn't going to work well. Like uh, Oliva is another guy that I feel like I want to see eventually in the majors this year. But I think giving Tom the shot for now is fine. I mean, the guy had a, like a 900 or some OPS in at Double A and Triple A in 2019. So you know, if he can hit that well at Triple A, you'd at least like to see if he can do something in the majors. And he's already drawn four walks and only has two strikeouts. So. He's already shown some plate discipline, so maybe his power, more of his bat will come around here eventually. Yeah, it's you know he has shown the discipline, and it's only been a very limited amount of games, so I think you got to stay patient with them. Uh, you know, you saw Philip Evans in the outfield a little bit. You wonder if they try that moving forward at all. Uh, but you know, we'll see. Kai Tom um, is still figuring it out. Kind of a you know a difficult start, but left field is a monster at PNC Park, and and he's got to take some time to figure that out as well. Uh, he was just in, in the minor leagues there in 2019, like you mentioned, Noah. Minor league baseball didn't get the chance to, to put teams out there in 2020. They are back now, gentlemen. We love minor league baseball, especially right now. Pirates have so many prospects that we're excited about. Getting started tonight, let's talk about it. Who are you guys most excited to see? Ronzi Contreras comes out, and you know I think he had 11 strikeouts tonight. Just goes crazy. Um, no, you want to get us started here. Who, who's your favorite minor leaguer right now? And you know, maybe just give us your thoughts on, on minor league baseball being back. Well, I was really excited to kind of see Andy Rodriguez. And he's he was the catching prospect we got from the Mets, who were the third team in the uh, Musgrove trade. So it was nice to get a catching prospect. And, I'm, and out of all our prospects, I think he's really 
a f- one could, that could be fun to watch. He's a contact. He's more of a contact hitter who hits a lot of line drives and drives the gaps more. But he, I, I looked at he like strikes out about ten percent of the time. He's walked like almost fifteen percent of the time, and I really like to see that good amount of plate discipline and patience at the plate. So at such a young age, and I, he's also a really good defender behind the plate. I I really am excited to see what he can do this year, and obviously I'm excited to see guys like Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester see what they can do. But I think another really interesting one that is going to be fun to see what he does is going to be. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, I, I want to see. I want to see him do good. Yeah, um, Cruz is a guy I was going to mention because he has unlimited power potential. And there's a lot of question there about his hit tool, and you know, so far tonight with Altoona, uh, they're in the bottom of the seventh right now, and O'Neill Cruz is two for three. And I also saw on Twitter where Alex Stump of DK on Pittsburgh Sports is there, and he said that when Cruz hits the ball, it just sounds different. I remember people used to say that a lot about Pedro Alvarez when he was coming up through the minors. He said when he hit the ball, it sounded different. And that's what Cruz has been tonight. Um, Ronzi Contreras in that game, five innings pitched, five hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts. The dude just uh, looked dominant from my understanding. And it's it's good to see because that Jamison Tyone trade, I really liked it at the time. And you throw in what we've seen thus far from Miguel Ura. You throw in what Contreras has done tonight and some of the stuff he flashed in spring training. And then you have Michael Escada, who might be the highest ceiling player in that deal. And Kanan Smith and Jigba has a double in a walk so far tonight for Altoona. The early returns on that thing look great, especially with Jamo struggling. And I think one other guy to mention their work, what they've done tonight, Travis Swaggerty, because you combine the Pirate outfield injuries and the team just struggling outside of Brian Reynolds offensively in the outfield. There's a real shot we see Swaggerty this year, and he led the game off tonight for Indianapolis at AAA with a home run. He got another hit in that game. I know the Pirates absolutely love his defensive potential. Um, I think they like his defense more than his offense most likely long-term. There's a lot of belief that he could be an elite defender at the major league level, potentially even in left field at PNC Park. So that's definitely got to keep a tab on. And one other guy at Indianapolis, a pitcher that I really liked what we saw from them in spring training, and Chase DeYoung uh, pitched six scoreless tonight for the Indians, only allowed two hits, two walks, and he struck out 10. He's a guy that we will most likely see at the major league level sometime this year as well. Yeah, You know, when we were talking about Cruz earlier, it just seems like he he has like the biggest range of possibilities of what he could be. He feels like he could completely flame out, or he could be the team's next big power hitter, next MVP caliber hitter. It just seems like there's such a range of what he could turn into in the near future. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, you think about just a short time ago, we didn't even know if O'Neill Cruz was going to be a part of the Pittsburgh Pirates anymore, part of Major League Baseball, baseball in general anymore. Um, you know, it's been great to see his his progression and, you know, just him keeping that heart in his mind through all of this. You know, gentlemen, let's take a sec real quick just to talk about how nice it is to, to have all of this coming back. I mean, you know, a year ago, these players didn't get to do anything. We, we heard so many stories from minor leaguers about how, you know, they had to go behind a pizza restaurant and flip a tire. You know, they had to do this unorthodox, this, that, whatever. You know, what, what are you guys' thoughts on how baseball has transitioned back from COVID? The major league level down. Marty, you've been to games. You've seen it so far. How has it been now that we're, you know, two, three weeks in? Do you think it's it's becoming more and more normal by the game? Do you think, you know, we could see, in you know, complete normalcy here in, in the near future? Yeah, I definitely feel like it's been more and more normal by the game. Um, I know this past weekend at, at PNC Park, um, they were not 
like with masks and that sort of thing, um, people were moving around in the bathroom, that sort of thing. Everybody still had them on, but in their seats, people weren't wearing them. No one was really saying anything because everyone's socially distanced out and whatnot. And, you know, actually, um, Governor Tom Wolf just said today that on May 31st, with the exceptions of masks, Pennsylvania is dropping all of their COVID restrictions. So there's a good shot. We could see a pretty close to sold out PNC Park at some point this summer. I'm um, obviously the Pirates will still have some saying that and what they want to do with the attendance and whatnot. But it's just, it's nice to just, we're getting there. You know, it just felt like for so long, not just with baseball, but with everything that we were going to be stuck in this forever. And now that there really is like a light at the end of this tunnel, it's just nice to where, you know, you're getting into the summer months and hopefully by the end of the summer, early fall, we can be all the way back or pretty dang close to it. So it's, it's just nice just to get that sense of normalcy of being at the ballpark and, you know, the seventh inning stretch. And I saw today on Twitter that starting at the next homestand, the Progues are going to be allowed to race on the field again, not on the Clemente bridge. So it's just, we're, we're slowly, but surely we're getting there. And it's, it feels great to have those things back that we all missed last year so much. It was an, I went to a game. I went during the Padres series when Tyler Anderson got the start. So he pitched really well and that was fun to go to, but it was just nice being back at all. It was, I mean, obviously there are restrictions. How they did it was like every other row has has a seating and you can only go like four at a time. But it, it was still just fun to be there with some friends. And it was actually like what it was actually like weirdly one of the best games I've ever went to, even though it was so many restrictions. We ended up being on the Jumbotron and even on TV during the seventh inning stretch. So it was an awesome time, even though it was a very weird time as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the thing. Since there's less people, you really get the opportunity to get the airtime to you know to get the exposure there. Crazy game too, if I remember right, Noah. That was the the four and a half hour game that you know was back and forth. Pirates ended up winning, I think. Uh, maybe game two of that series. Just a crazy one. Um, but you know it, it is returning to normal, and it is it does take time, and you know we have to take precautions and everything else. And I think the more vaccinations, you know, they make people feel more comfortable, especially at, in sports venues and whatnot. I saw Atlanta will be going back to a hundred percent capacity here in, in the next couple of weeks. Pirates travel down there. I think I might be checking out a few of those games. Last time I was there. It's funny, Christian Betancourt, it was my birthday actually. Christian Betancourt had recently come up. Um, this was back at Turner Field, so I guess I, I've been since then. But my last time at Turner Field, Christian Betancourt, maybe game two or three, the Pirates and, and the Braves were tied going into the later innings. And I think it was bottom of the ninth, Christian Betancourt hit his first career home run to walk us off there, off the foul pole actually. I didn't really know what Christian Betancourt was at that point. Baseball didn't either. He didn't, you know, really work out there in Atlanta. Went out to San Diego, tested it out, made another stop, and, um, you know, has now been signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates to a minor league deal. Jacob Stallings taking one off the dome. You know, I think this is precautionary, if nothing else, to have that third catcher available. What are you guys' thoughts on Christian Betancourt, though? Do you think, you know, he sees extended time in the major leagues, or, uh, you know, what's the timeline here? I th- I don't th- I think he's more just a third string guy in case something happens to Stallings or Perez. But just Bethencourt's had such an interesting career. He started out as a top 100 prospect in Atlanta, then went to San Diego, and then they tried him out as a two way player, and then he went over to Korea, and now he's back over in the states. And so it's interesting to see him with the Pirates after following him for a while. But I, I think he's really just got to be kind of the third string catcher you know if something happens to Stallings or Perez and they're going to be out for an extended period of time you know I'd rather have Bethencourt than either Joe Hudson or Andrew Susak right now in the majors if you ask me well first off I gotta say Trey that is a that is a tremendous transition on your part the transition into the Christian Bethencourt talk Um, 
But no, I agree with no. I think it's it's definitely a depth move. Um, I mean, when the Pirates lost, uh, Trey Walters coming out of spring training, put them in the position where they're probably looking for another catcher. Um, you can never have too many catchers. I always cite the 2011 Pirates when you literally use like 12 or 13 catchers or whatever it was. You can never have too much catching depth. And like Noah said, you look at the AAA catchers, Joe Hudson, Jason DeLay, Andrew Susack. It's not like they're guys who are kicking down the door for the major. So, hey, you never know with Court. The guy obviously has the talent to be a very good catcher. He was a very highly rated prospect for a reason. You never know. Maybe you catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle and you get a guy who can serve, provide as a serviceable backup for you. And if not, Hey, you know, you don't lose anything. That's a minor league deal. Exactly. That's why I, I see people lose their mind sometimes over minor league deals. I understand it because it's on a minor league deal. It's literally zero risk and you could potentially get some reward from it. So it, there's nothing hurts adding catching depth. Especially right now. I mean, you know, the Pirates, they've been above 500 this season after a couple of weeks. But I mean, it's not it's not like, you know, they, they are in a position to compete here and Losing Jacob Stallings means that they have to bring up Christian Betancourt and he has to be successful. We'll see what they have in Christian Betancourt here. I liked it. I thought it was cool. You know, this guy, this was a guy like you're talking about, Noah, that was in the top 100 prospects at one point. Has the potential. We'll see what he does. I don't think the Pirates are going to try the two-way thing with them uh, like the Padres did. It would. You know, I, I like it. Shohei Otani's bringing it, uh, making it cool again out there in L.A., um, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, getting his first base knock of the career. See, Marty, this is why he needs to be a starting pitcher. He can hit. He'll get a few at-bats a game. But he shouldn't start. He should get the opportunity. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to end well. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, why not? We'll see if they uh, if they keep it going there with Will Crow. Um but yeah, you know, Christian Betancourt coming into the program now. Got to talk about the bullpen here. We didn't get a touch on it too much last episode. Uh, and guys, please go check out Noah's work as well. He had an article on the Christian Betancourt signing. Um, had a little minor league preview as well. So much stuff out right now on the website. Go check that out. Let's talk about the bullpen, guys. And this is something I'd like to start doing every week. We've kind of loosely done it these last few. But let's pick one pitcher out of this bullpen to be our bullpen pitcher of the week. Last week it was Dwayne Underwood. I mean, the dude has just been untouchable. Allowed the home run there against St. Louis. He's looked, uh, you know, a little worse in the past week. But, you know, you can't keep doing what he was doing for an extended period of time. Uh, just killing it. Really, this whole bullpen has been insane so far. The highlight of this team, uh, you know, Rich Rod. We, we could talk Rich Rod, but, um, you know, I'll ask you gentlemen to pick a couple of other players here. Uh, really, you know, another great week for the bullpen. Marty, you want to get us started there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said you can't talk about the bullpen right now and not touch on Rich Rod, who's up to 22 consecutive scoreless outings dating back to last season and has only allowed two base runners this year. It's remarkable what he's doing. And But, I mean, the Pirate bullpen as a whole has got – there's a lot of options. I mean, they're third in the National League in bullpen ERA right now. It's been a, a very pleasant to see. But I, I would highlight Kyle Crick. I mean, Crick is a guy who last year – the second half of 2019 really struggled – Last year really struggled. We come to find out after the season that within like 10 days of each other, leading up to the like a week or two before the season started, he lost both his father and his brother. So I'm sure that weighed on him all year. But Crick has looked like the 2018 and early 2019 Kyle Crick so far. Uh, he's pitched 10 innings. He struck out eight guys. He is not allowed to run. His walk rate's only 11%, which while that's high for Kyle Crick standards, that's pretty good considering he's never had a walk rate below 13% before. And opponents aren't really barreling the ball against him at all. Um, the average exit velocity off him is 83 miles an hour, which is 
two and a half miles an hour below league average. His hard hit rate of 23.8% is 12% below league average. You know, he's missing bats. And when guys are making contact, you're not hitting the ball hard. And Crick is really starting to once again look like a uh, long-term building piece down in this Pirate bullpen. I want to pick Luis Avaedo. I've been very high on Avaedo since the Pirates uh, traded from him with the Mets and after the Rule 5 draft. So yeah, I really want to see him do good. I like seeing a Rule 5 pick do good, but Avaedo is just a guy that has like electric stuff. He has a great breaking ball. He can he can run up to 97, 98, 99 miles an hour with his fastball. And really, if you look at it, he's only gotten hit badly in one of his outings when he gave up like five runs in like an inning or two against the Padres that one game. But aside from that, he's overall been pretty good. He's been getting the strikeouts. He really hasn't walked all that many batters. And I, I just, he's still, you have to keep in mind that he hasn't pitched above a ball. This is a guy that's very inexperienced in the upper minors. And, and, Really, he went directly. He kind of did what Juan Soto did, going from like a ball to directly to the majors with almost no stop in between. And he's still 21. I don't. I don't even think he's, he'll turn 22 till the very end of the year. So he's he's still got to understand that he's a really raw prospect. But I still think that he's gonna by the end of the year we're looking at a guy that's gonna be a really talented arm and a long term building block for this bullpen. Well, one thing I would say too, and Luis Oviedo, Nick and I have talked about this a whole bunch as well. Um, I wouldn't rule out him having a rule as a starter down the road. He's got that build. He's got the frame. Uh, Nick and I were a couple weekends ago, he was here and he and I were talking about it. He said his build reminds us a lot of the young CC Sabathia and he's got the stuff. He was a starter in the minors. You know, I, I would not be stunned to see the Pirates give him a look as a starting pitcher at some point next season either because the, the dude's got nasty stuff. And one thing with him that always jumps out at me too, it's like you said, no, he's only 21. He's never pitched above high A before this year. And someone with that should not look nearly as confident and just have the mound presence that he does. And that's that's the kind of intangibles that you love to see in a pitcher. Yeah, he's looked he's he's looked great on the mound, and like like I said earlier, it's just been that one start, and I mean, or that one outing, and I mean, you gotta remember this guy's young. This guy hasn't seen time in Double A AA or Triple A, and it'll be and yeah, I do, I would like to see him as a starter, but I really don't know where he will eventually end up. I mean, I think he's got to be effective wherever he, whether he's a starter or a lever. But personally, I think I'd rather see him like in a high leverage eighth, ninth inning role at the end of the this year if he can manage manage to get there after you know maybe we see Richrod get traded or another player get traded or from the bullpen or something. Yeah, I like the idea of both, honestly. Um, but I think I'm with you, Marty. I think he could be a really viable starter. Me and my dad had that conversation after his first appearance this season. It's like this dude's stuff, you know, probably isn't touchable second time, third time around. And he is 21 years old. It's crazy to think about. I think that's what we love so much about a lot of these guys, really a lot of the, the trade return, just the confidence we're seeing. Miguel Yahure, I mean, the kid's, what, 22, 23 years old, comes out and looks like he's been starting in the bigs for three or four years. It's been great to see the confidence in these young pitchers, especially here uh, for the Pirates. It's going to be fun to see. I think I'm going to pick Sam Howard this week. Lefty specialist doesn't get enough love. He's been consistent all year long. He's come in and has done his job, and it's just looked excellent. Uh, you know, we might have highlighted him a couple weeks ago, um, but I'm going to give Sam Howard some love for this week. Pirates Padres. The Padres are one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. We knew that last time. The Pirates split with them. They looked, you know, really good in that series 
Last night, the Pittsburgh Pirates took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. Tyler Anderson, electric stuff. Needed some help from the uh, you know the scorer there, and I believe it was the fifth inning on that ground ball back. But you know manages to get all the way to the seventh, allows two runs in that seventh inning. Those end up being the difference in that game, the two to nothing final there. You know you feel bad for the guy, but Tyler Anderson, man, he just keeps on going. Loved what we've seen so far out of him. You know, what do you guys think the ceiling is uh, as far as Tyler Anderson goes? No, you want to get us started there? Yeah, when you, I really have been excited to watch Tyler Anderson this year. He has, he's shown some really good stuff. And he's, when you look at more of his underlying numbers, you know, he's more of a four year A guy. But I mean, we're not talking, but I mean, we didn't expect this guy to come in and be an eight, the like shutdown pitcher that it seems like he's been a lot of times. But, you know, you look at, he's been extremely consistent. He's the only pitcher on the Pirates, I think, that's in every start, he's won at least five innings and has given up three or less runs. So he's giving, he's going out there and at least giving you those innings. He's giving you those five, six innings of work that you need, especially with a young club, like, especially with like a young bullpen and a young rotation, you know, he's out there giving you that, those few, those handful of innings every time out. So I think if anything, the most value he's provided is giving us those, giving us consistently good innings. Yeah. I think with Anderson, um, that was a signing when the Pirates signed him. I really liked it. Uh, one thing with Tyler Anderson, I think oftentimes it gets overlooked is the fact that he was a first round pick in the 2011 draft. He was very highly touted coming out of Oregon. And, you know, you look at some of his career numbers with Colorado, the ERA was never pretty, but it's Colorado. And yeah. you take in the fact that, you know, you look at the other teams in that division, he's pitching against the Dodgers. He's pitching at Chase Field in Arizona where the ball just flies out of there. You know, he was not exactly facing easy lineups and was pitching in some pretty dang difficult ballparks. So a lot of his underlying numbers were always good. And we're seeing that now with Anderson this year. And, you know, he's probably going to turn into a really, really good trade ship for this team in July. You know, he's a starting pitcher. He's a lefty. Teams are going to get desperate for starting pitching. Somebody's going to offer something <laughs> stupid. And the Pirates are probably going to get a little more than Tyler Anderson you would think would be worth. But with how well he's pitched this year, it's it's very easy to envision that happening. Yeah, I was going to say, he's a lefty. You know, he's above average, I think, in exit velocity and hard hit rate. He's above average in whiff rate and uh, chase rate. So lefties who can induce pretty soft contact and get a lot of swings and misses are going to bring back a lot in the in the trademark. And, you know, when you, like you said, you look at his more underlying numbers, and he's, he wasn't as bad as he looked in Colorado and San Francisco. Mm. You know, you looked at his stats that are more adjusted for things like that, like ERA plus or ERA minus or fit minus. And, you know, he was about a league average pitcher. And I think he's been a lot better than if you ask me, than just a league average with us. And I'm pretty sure that has to do more some with some with uh, him being in a le less run for, in a much more pitcher friendly environment is what I'm trying to say. And also I really think Oscar Marin's helped with some of that too. And I think Marin's overall done a good job with a lot of our pitchers this year. Yeah. And I, that's a good point too, with Oscar Marin. Um, you know, I I'm pretty over seeing this narrative on Twitter or from some sports writers in town that Mitch Keller is going to get Oscar Marin fired. That's a ridiculous statement to make. And one of the reasons it's extremely ridiculous to make is we Mitch Keller's struggles are well documented. We have beat them, beat that horse to no extent on here on the website. It is what it is. But you can't 
sit here and blame Oscar Marin for that and not give him credit for Tyler Anderson, for JT Brubaker. For, for Sam Dave Howard. Brubaker. Yeah, Sam Howard. Underwood. Yeah, if, if, if he has these young bullpen arms developing, you have Brubaker developing, you have Tyler Anderson who's finally scratched that first-round potential. You know, if you add a Miguel Ure or whoever the rotation this year and they're successful as well, I can promise you Mitch Keller is not going to get Oscar Marion fired, especially when Mitch Keller is the only one of the young arms who is struggling at the major league level. I don't want to completely give up on uh, Keller yet, though. I no, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's not a Keller thing. It's a it, it, Keller could come out and have an ERA of 437. If the other young pitchers do well, he is not going to get the pitching coach fired. And it's just I've seen a lot of that lately, and it's just nauseating to see that. Yeah, I'm I'm still rooting for Mitch Keller because I want to see him do good. I've I was a guy that hyped him up a lot, so I, I'm yeah, going to I mean, as I mentioned on one of the recent episodes talking about Mitch Keller, you know, anyone who is still riding the Keller bandwagon, I can't say anything about because I still to this day will drive that Gregory Plonka bandwagon. <laughs> one of these days, he's finally going to not get injured, stop getting COVID, and he's going to hit the ball again like a 2018. You know, he he is one of the guys. He had COVID to start the season last year. Got it this year. I mean, you know. So, you know, he's getting his yearly COVID. He, that's what, instead of getting a shot, that's what he's going to do. He's just going to get COVID once a year. <laughs> just get the antibodies. Yeah, just keep it yeah. cycling. Yeah. 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 It's time again. I need my new antibodies. Now, I should, <laughs> shouldn't joke about those things. I apologize, people. No, yeah. No no doubt. The vaccine's out, though. You know, I mean, you, hopefully he's he's taking the right precautions. And if anybody is safe, I think it's a Major League Baseball player there, Gregory Polanco. Um, but, you know, I, I'm with both of you guys. I think, I think Mitch Keller still has the potential to be you know a really solid pitcher at this level but um you know the, the the clock is ticking here and these inconsistent starts are getting really frustrated but uh it, it won't cost oscar marina's job it's you know. inconsistent i mean he has like he, he's he, he and he and trevor cahill are on the schedule of one good start one bad exactly. start so far this year yeah. it's i mean it's been you know it's it's literally and you you know when you see that good mitch keller you sit there and you think well you know, we can't let this be another Tyler Glasnow situation. We can't trade this kid because he obviously still has the stuff. And, you know, we know it's capable if he locates it. But there's just. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's just it's been um, it's been a really weird run here. But like we've said since opening day, since well before opening day, this is the season. This is make or break for Mitch Keller. And so far, it's not clear. And, uh, you know, he's got some work to do to make it clear for the Pirates. Um, but, you know, overall, it's been it's been so wonderful to see the job that Oscar Marine has done. I mean, even with the guys that have come in trades now, getting into Pittsburgh and, you know, so many young kids have just looked so confident. That's the thing. It's, you know, Michael McHenry, uh, the first time we had him on, I remember back, that was the one thing he really he highlighted about the old regime. He didn't, you know, this this old regime didn't make the players feel very comfortable. They didn't feel like, you know, if they went out there and they didn't do well, that their job was at risk. It, it was just a different mindset. Oscar Marine has made everybody, including Mitch Keller, feel comfortable. It's just whether or not they can take advantage. We'll see Mitch Keller go tomorrow, uh, or tonight rather, against the Padres. We record here on Tuesday night. We will see JT Brubaker in the series finale. Um, that one a little bit earlier. I think it's 8 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday. Yeah, thankfully, uh, you know, save us a couple hours there. It'll be Cinco de Mayo, though, so, you know, hopefully you guys are out celebrating the holiday, watching some Pirates baseball. Uh, but, you know, as we preview these next two games, what do the Pirates need to do to bounce back and, um, you know, at least get one win while they're out west? I mean, scoring some runs would probably help. They haven't scored a run in 20 straight innings. So, you know, uh, getting a run or two would probably go a long ways towards potentially winning a baseball game. But, you know, in, in addition to that, 
it starts with the starting pitching. You know, JT Brubaker has been awesome this year. Hopefully we will continue to see that Wednesday evening. And as for Mitch Keller, you know, with, let's see what he can do. Uh, to his credit, the last time he had a poor start, he bounced back with a strong start. And yeah. last week was bad. Was due for a good start tomorrow, today. Yeah, so. he's, he's due for one tonight. We'll see what he does. So hopefully he can turn in a strong start tonight and uh, the Pirates can score some runs even without – Thumper Gregory Polanco in the middle of the lineup there to drive it away, and uh, they uh, can get a victory and get and end this four game losing streak. Yeah, I'm, or five game losing streak now. Excuse me. Definitely getting the bats out of Rudd is definitely something that needs to happen. You know, for a while there, it seemed like Adam Frazier and Colin Moran and Brian Reynolds were carrying the train, and then all of a sudden they like Reynolds, especially uh, Moran and Frazier have cooled off. A decent bit, but hopefully we could start seeing them get heated up again, score some runs to support maybe a good start from Keller. Hopefully, Brew Baker continues to do what he's been doing and uh, helps the Pirates, gives the Pirates a good pitching, good pitching performance. I like to watch good pitching more than good hitting sometimes. So there's that. Yeah, I think one thing you touched on too with the lineup with some of these guys struggling, you know, th- that was my concern coming into the season is I thought this lineup had the potential. When guys were clicking to be pretty good, and we've seen that because with Adam Frazier, with Reynolds, with with Moran, with Hayes when he's in there, you've got some pretty good hitters. The problem is there's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of length that lineup, especially with Hayes out of it. So, you know, if you get one or two of those guys struggling, which you're seeing right now, you're really going to be in trouble. And now, you know, with Phillip Evans having cooled off as well, I think that's a big reason why you're seeing the Pirate offense struggle right now is because it's just a lineup that's just it's not very deep and it does not have a lot of length to it, and we're experiencing that. Yeah, and everyone's going seem to be going into a cold streak at the same time too. Yeah. And the thing is, whenever you have your lineup basically built around three guys and Frazier, Reynolds, and Moran, and the other guys, you just gotta hope that they can get hot like they did, you know, a couple weeks ago, Eric Gonzalez and cover off the ball. So whenever your lineup's built around basically those three guys, and if two of those three are slumping, well, you're you're probably screwed, and that's where they're at right now. I, I will give credit to uh, Jacob Stallings though; he seems to be doing pretty yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I, I didn't think of that. Stallings, this is, he's putting together a second straight really strong offensive season. So, I mean, last year was a shortened season, obviously, but, you know. We're showed, some, showed, some decent, showed some decent prowess with the bat last year. Yeah. I wrote an article about him. He was, like, one of the best hitters in all of August last year. So, yeah. We're, what, about 30 games into this season, 60 last year. So, we're closing in on a 100-game uh, stretch of really good offense from stalling. So, he, you know, he, he just might be turning it into being one of those really quality two-way catchers in baseball. Oh, yeah. It's just been so consistent. I mean, you know, think about it, guys. If Cabrian Hayes was a part of this lineup right now, how much that just opens things up for a lot of these hitters. And you know, like you said, no, we see Eric Gonzalez cool off. We see Colin Moran cool off. Adam Frazier, all these guys just starting to cool off right now. And it has created a, you know, 20-inning scoreless streak here for the Pirates. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll go out there and score 10 tonight in San Diego and, and get a big win. We'll have to see. The Pirates now, four games under five they They're four and a half games out of first place in the NL Central. 30, nearly 30 games in now. That is wild to think about. It seemed like last season, you know, maybe it's only because they won uh, 19 games. Uh, it just dragged and, you know, getting to 60 games at times would, it was even difficult with no fans and everything else. This season has already been night and day. Fans are back in the seats. Never thought it would, uh, you know, sound so good to hear the fans booing Tyler Anderson throwing back to first 100 times in the third inning. But, um, you know, really just an excellent return to baseball here. Like I said, the Pirates are, are scratching and clawing. They've been struggling, uh, but they're going to continue this fight here. We'll have an update on Cabrian Hayes next time. The draft is coming up, everybody. We're going to preview that some more. Give our takes on that. 
Some other names entering the scene now. It was Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter for a while. Jordan Lawler now has come onto the scene and really caught a lot of people's attentions as Kumar Rocker has kind of slid back uh, into third now, if nothing else. We'll talk about that. We're going to recap, preview, do what we usually do, talk about Pirates baseball. Until next time, guys, please hit us up on social media. You'll find us on Twitter, at RumBunter. As always, you can find our podcast on Omni.com slash RumBunter, Fansided.com slash RumBunter, wherever you find your, your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, the whole mix. You can catch us there. Just search RumBunter. For Noah Wright and Marty Leap, my name is Trey Yannity. Until next week, guys, let's go Bucks. Have a great weekend. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.